My name is Heidi, and I love stories. Sad stories, funny stories, and what the heck stories? Turns out the Bible is full of them. And after two decades in Sunday school and a master's in English, I'm here to tell them to you. Get ready. This is Messy Scripture. At the end of the last episode, God had just made what's called a covenant promise with Abram, that he would have offspring that outnumber the sands of the seashore, that those offspring would be the result of a biological heir Abram would have, and that those offspring would undergo 400 years of suffering that Abram would not have to deal with. God also, for the first time since the Garden of Eden, actually showed up and made the promise in person as opposed to just using his voice. However, he didn't show up as some sort of Zeus old man with a long white beard thing. He showed up as a flaming pot. It's going to be important in just a few minutes, but it is interesting to note that God rarely, if ever, shows up as an old man and basically never shows up as a white guy. As one can imagine, this whole promise that Abram got that he would have a biological heir was a little bit difficult for everyone in the household to swallow. Most relevantly, his wife Sarai, who, you know, was extremely postmenopausal. But Sarai has a plan because she has a slave. And as we all know, slaves aren't real people. Just kidding, slaves are absolutely people and Sarai's plan is trash. The plan is to have her slave, Hagar, impregnated by Abram, her husband, and then because slaves are actually property and not people, again, this plan is trash, Abram will have a biological heir that will really be a member of the household because, well, his wife's slave is the one who got pregnant, and so it's not technically a bastard... The politics of it are a little complicated, but basically everyone at the time accepted that that would work, that the daughter or son of Hagar would be considered Abram's actual legitimate heir, because Hagar was the slave of the wife of Abram. (sighs) Now, if some of you are listening and think, that sounds a little rapey, it kind of is, because while at the time the sensibilities wouldn't have governed that Hagar was her own person with her own feelings and opinions on this whole matter. The fact is, she was. She was still a real human being. And although we don't have any indication that she fought against this plan that Abram and Sarai hatched, well, really Sarai, but Abram agreed to, so eh, both of them, again, we don't have any indication that she was into it or wanted to be there. Hagar, our young Egyptian slave girl, is young and fertile and immediately gets pregnant. Once she is bearing Abram's child, she begins to look down on Sarai, who then goes to Abram and whines. She whines and whines that Hagar is being mean to her, at which point Abram justifiably points out that Hagar is still Sarai's slave as much as she is bearing Abram's child, and basically gives Sarai permission to do whatever she wants. So Sarai starts being really cruel, like cruel enough that Hagar runs away. Hagar is discovered by a spring of water in the wilderness by the angel of the Lord, who immediately asks her, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where are you going and where did you come from? Hagar admits that she's running away from her mistress, Sarai, and the angel of the Lord tells her to go back, submit to her mistress. But he also tells her something else, something so wildly unexpected that I can only imagine how Hagar reacted. The angel of the Lord gives Hagar a very similar promise to the one that he gave Abram. Abram was promised offspring that would outnumber sands in the seashore, stars in the sky, dust of the earth. Hagar is also told that her offspring will not be countable. They will be innumerable. The angel of the Lord also gives a name to Hagar. He tells her to name her son Ishmael, as the Lord has listened to her affliction. Ishmael, by the way, means God hears. So basically, the angel of the Lord tells Hagar to name her son God is listening. Hagar at this point realizes something, that the angel of the Lord is not necessarily what we would think of as a servant of God, 
Because what she says after the promise is that you are a God of seeing. What that means is that the first person who sees a bodily form of God isn't Abram, his beloved chosen. It isn't even Noah, you know, our drunk friend who got to save the human race from extinction. It's Hagar, the slave of Sarai, who was impregnated against her will by Abram. She sees God, and she sees that God sees her, and returns to her mistress. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar gave birth to Ishmael. Thirteen years later, when Abram was 99 years old, God appears to Abram again, and this time renews his promise but adds a slight change. Now, as Abram's half of the covenant, again, a two-way promise between God and man generally, although we sometimes use that word for marriages and some other things, it's a promise with a sense of holiness to it, is one way to think of what a covenant is versus a promise or a regular contract. Anyway, God adds to Abram's half of the covenant that as a sign that he believes in God and trusts in him, he and all of the males in his clan have to be circumcised. Basically, if you're going to be counted as one of Abram's, you're going to need to undergo circumcision. I don't think I need to explain what that is, but I can tell you it is painful and not something one would want to undergo in their 90s or in their early teens, as would be the case for Ishmael. God tells Abram to circumcise him self and all of the men in his household and his son and he also tells abram that it's time to change his name see abram means exalted father that's not bad but god changes abram's name to abraham which means father of a multitude so if you've been wondering what are we going to hear about abraham you know father abraham right now kids we're hearing about father abraham right now and sarai's name change from sarai to sarah both mean princess but Sarah sounds better, I guess. And she also got to undergo the name change. And God promised Abraham again that he would have a biological heir. But this time he made the promise more specific that Sarah would be the biological mother. See, before Sarai, back when she was Sarai, had kind of found a loophole because the promise was really about Abraham and his sperm, basically. Now the promise is about their union. The promise is about their covenant to each other as husband and wife. Now, because Abraham is a good father, he asks God if he would consider having Ishmael be his heir. You know, the big promise-bearing heir. And God says, no, absolutely not. The heir of the promise will be the child that Sarah bears. However, he will still make Ishmael a great nation, both in honor of his promise to Abraham and presumably in honor of his promise to Hagar, who was again promised that Ishmael would be great and successful. And Abraham followed orders. He circumcised himself, every male that lived in his household, including slaves that he'd purchased, and his son Ishmael, who was 13 years old when he got circumcised. So really, who had it worse, 99-year-old Abraham or 13-year-old Ishmael? I'll let you be the judge, because I am not getting in the middle of this conflict. I am a lady. I have absolutely no clue which would be worse. Then God appeared to him again, and this time he appeared in the form of three men. Three? What the heck? I thought the Lord was one. The Lord our God is one. But there's three of them? Also, yes, there are three of them appearing before Abraham under the oaks at Mamre. I'm serious. The word is Mamre. But also, I'm serious. There's three of them, and they're also all considered the Lord. They're dressed singular, and the three men seem to speak with one voice. Not necessarily meaning that at the time they were speaking in unison like creepy, scary people, but that every word out of one of their mouths was representative of all three of them. 
Amazingly, Abraham recognizes that these three men are also God, to the point that he addresses them as Lord and asks, if I've found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. He gets very formal and offers to make them a meal. Well, more accurately, he asks Sarah, his wife, to make cakes and has one of his servants slaughter a calf and prepare it for eating. While the three men are eating, they ask Abraham where his wife Sarah is, and he responds that Sarah's in the tent. For some reason, he hadn't invited Sarah out to this event. I'm not totally sure why. Probably because ancient times. At this point, in case anyone is unclear that the three men are in fact God himself, the narrative switches from calling them the three men to the Lord with all caps. And the Lord with all caps always means the Lord, God most high. You know, the big one. Anyway, the Lord (laughs) remarks that he's going to visit next year same time, same place kind of deal, and Sarah will have given birth to a son. And Sarah laughs out loud because that is ridiculous. She is 90 years old, so postmenopausal. She is not having biological kiddos. And while Abraham has received this promise over and over and over and over and over again, Sarah has never been present to hear it. She has never heard this promise out of the mouth of God. But God says, Sarah will have a child. And so she laughs. Loud enough that the Lord remarks, why did Sarah laugh? Does she think I can't do this? Does she think this is too hard? Remember, this is like 10 generations ago, flooded out the whole earth, 20 generations ago or so, created it. This is not a small G God, and this is not a people group that thinks of him that way. So Sarah, of course, covers her tracks and says, no, I didn't laugh. And God says, yeah, you did. Watch next year, baby you'll have one. One can only imagine what Sarah and Abraham did next. Just kidding, Abraham goes on a walk with the three men as they head towards Sodom. He has a conversation with them that will change the course of human history forever, but that is going to be for next episode. But after he leaves the three men who are on their way to Sodom, again, we will catch up with them next episode, he heads back. And now you can imagine what Sarah and Abraham did. Because next year, at the same time, same place, Sarah has a son. And what does she name him? She names him Isaac, which means laughter. Because God had, one, filled her heart with joy, and two, she found the idea of Isaac being born laughable. At first, painfully and ironically, and now gloriously, wondrously laughable. Isaac is born. The son that was promised, that was never going to come, it seemed, the son of a barren woman and a very old man, Isaac. However, everything gets messier the more people you add to the story. And keep in mind, Ishmael is now you know, 14, 15, and Hagar, his mother, is no longer in a privileged position because she is not the mother of the sole heir of Abraham. Now she's the mother of an heir of Abraham, and her status as a slave girl is not revocable. Just because she had the first child Abraham had doesn't mean that Isaac doesn't outrank Ishmael. Sarah saw Hagar laughing at Isaac's basically what in Hawaii we would consider a first birthday party, but basically this huge celebration to celebrate that Isaac was weaned. Sarah saw Hagar laughing and was like, Abraham, you need to get rid of her because this slave woman will not have her son be also heir with my son. And this was not something Abraham was happy to do. He was very upset with the idea because Ishmael is his son and he cares about Ishmael, his son, and also cares about Hagar, the son's mother. Not necessarily in a romantic way. There's no indication that Hagar and Abraham had any relationship outside of their sexual one that produced Ishmael. 
and there's no indication that that relationship continued. So we can assume that this was a very successful one-night stand, or perhaps a several one-night stands, leading to a pregnancy and then terminated. The one-night stands, not the pregnancy. Ishmael was born. But Sarah insists, and once again, Abraham caves before the will of Sarah and casts out Hagar and Ishmael. He sends them into the desert in Beersheba with a water skin and a God be with you. Well, the water in the water skin ran out, and Ishmael was going to die. Hagar knew that. He was weak and suffering because the desert is a dangerous and horrible place to be without water. And Hagar was so certain that her son was about to die that she crawled away from him, leaving him under a plant because she didn't want to watch the breath leave his body. She didn't want to see her son die. And she knew that she could do nothing to save him. And she wept, and God heard her. God heard her, and God heard her son, Ishmael. And he came back. He called out to them, and said, again, that he would make Ishmael into a great nation, and that there's water over there. <laughs> Whether or not the water had been hidden from Hagar and Ishmael, that's a little less interesting. I prefer to think that God put the spring right there just in time because they needed one. And so Hagar and Ishmael were able to survive the desert, fill up their water skin and drink, and Ishmael became a great archer, one of the warriors of earth. Of course, when Ishmael was old enough, Hagar found him a wife from Egypt, and Ishmael is considered to be the father of the Arab people groups. In fact, that is why Abraham is considered to be the patriarch of Christianity and Judaism and Islam. Isaac is born, the heir that God had planned for, the biological son of both Sarah and Abraham, and Ishmael is born, and growing up quickly, the biological son of Abraham who was born to Hagar the slave girl who was in fact the first one to actually meet God in bodily form. How cool is that? Next episode, we're going to catch back up with the men on their way to Sodom. Well, the Lord men on their way to Sodom. And also find out what Lot is up to. And from there, we're going to find out a little bit more about Isaac, who at this point, where we leave him, is basically just a toddler. The next time we see him, he's going to be older. But first, we have to find out what's happening down in the mess that is Sodom.